listening to Over the Oxa podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. Today I want to talk about a special type of anxiety and it also impinges on rider anxiety and it's called high functioning anxiety. I'm seeing more and more clients who are able to function really well, get on with their lives, they're good at their job and they have a sort of invisible anxiety that sort of runs underneath the radar. So if you ask somebody about whether the, the person was anxious or displayed any behaviours that made them seem anxious or worried or the, the holding tension, then most people would say, no, that, that person seems absolutely fine and might have you know, times of stress, but at the same time, just a normal level. But a high-functioning anxiety person will have inside that lower level of stress in terms of anxiety, but it's there most of the time. And it's really affecting their riding because it comes out in their riding, if you like. So the constant worry can be very subtle, but if you're a sufferer, if you don't know that it's high-functioning anxiety, you might think it's normal to live on your nerves like that. So what it's like, some of the symptoms that kind of dig a bit deeper and suggest that you may have it or... And first of all, I want to say that high-functioning anxiety isn't recognised as a clinical condition. It's not an anxiety disorder as such. So it's not got that official status, but it still causes quite a daily impact for people who do have it. So the main thing is that you are able to function. So you can sort out your work life, you can sort out family life, your finances and so on. You can look after your children, your horses, your dogs, your cats. And even you have some kind of level of normality in your life but you're drained. You're emotionally drained, mentally, physically drained for the majority of the time. So you not only feel exhausted physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And as I say, people who suffer often think that this is a type of normal. And because it's not recognized clinically, and because some of the symptoms overlap with other conditions, including other anxiety issues, it can be quite vague. So it's almost like, I think of it like, you know, when you know your horse has got a particular issue and you start with Dr. Google and you try to find out what on earth the issue is and you realise that this issue could be 10 different other issues. It could, you know, at the moment my horse has got a little bit of a back problem is it a back problem? Is it an ulcer problem? Is it stifle? Is it hox? Is it SI? You know, has it come from the pole? We don't know at the moment. A vet's investigating. But, you know, it's one of those things. So when you're trying to categorize whether or not you have high-functioning anxiety, it might be difficult for you to categorically say yes. And it may be categorically difficult for you to say yes to other anxiety disorders like generalised anxiety disorder. 
people who are more susceptible are people who might have been quite shy as children. So those types of people that just preferred their own company when they were very young, happy to have their head in a book, happy to be on their own or maybe with one other friend. It could also be a person that comes from a family where the child was somehow stressed unintentionally by the parents, like the Jim Carner parent. Or it can come from people who have had a childhood trauma and they, or they've had a stressful work life. So you can see that although we can categorize these people, it's quite broad. But if you find yourself agreeing with any or all of the symptoms that I'm going to list, then do seek some support, whether that's mindset coaching, hypnotherapy, or you go and see your physician. So having an awareness of the symptoms can help sometimes to make you kind of sit up and think, oh gosh, that's me, I do that. And once you're at that stage, then you might be able to change the thought patterns yourself and you might be able to break down the anxiety all by yourself. And as I say, if not, please seek help. So the first thing I want to talk about is worrying about what other people think and imagining that you know what people think. You know what they're thinking inside their head and you know, no is in inverted commas, you know that people are judging you negatively. So in equestrianism, this is really, really common because very often other people see us riding, whether we're competing or you're just on a yard and other people on the yard see you and you feel as though other people are being highly critical of you and you might feel very much under pressure when you ride. And this type of anxiety is sort of switched on and off depends on a certain environment or it depends on the certain person who's watching you and it's unlikely in that case that you would have high functioning anxiety but if it stretches out beyond that time so you get off you're no longer riding nobody's watching you and you're back to a normal level of calm then that's different to somebody who has a constant worry. So they constantly think they aren't good enough. And it's in different environments, not just a riding environment. So in that case, is there any real evidence that you don't feel good enough? Is there any evidence that it's true? Probably not. However, it will feel true to you. The second thing to think about, having constant dilemmas and inner conflicts, constantly wondering, should you do A, should you do B? And then one day thinking, yes, yes, I'm going to do A, I'm definitely going to do A. And then you flip again. So it's difficult then to make a decision because you might be thinking about the ramifications of that decision making, but you might also be thinking about how people will view your decision. And again, you're jumping to negative conclusions. If you are doing this all the time, that may be another symptom. But if once your dilemma is over with, shall I leave my job? Shall I not? 
shall I sell my horse? Shall I not? Those types of things. Once that particular event is over with, then if that internal struggle disappears, then it's not high functioning anxiety. The next thing to think about is your personal boundaries and trying to people please. You might hate to say no to someone and you'd rather go out on a limb to help somebody else. Whereas, you know, people don't necessarily normally go quite that way for other people. You know, it's it's not just going the extra mile, it's going the extra 10 miles. So maybe you help people for free when you know you should charge a little bit. Maybe you have your horse on full livery and you still go and help out as if you were on DIY Maybe you're the person who everyone relies on to bring all the horses in when it's wet and damp and cold and dark because maybe you're just at the yard a bit earlier than everyone else and you're never late to do that. You always make sure you're there and you check up on everybody's horses because you don't want to let the horses down, you don't want to let the people down. So if you're going above and beyond all the time, not just occasional favours that you're doing for people and helping people out, but if you're really putting yourself out a lot, that's another symptom. You might find it really hard to relax, even when you go, for instance, on holiday or you take a weekend break. You're still thinking about other things You're still thinking about your work, your horses. You're still thinking about everything that was on your mind before you went. In fact, the whole week or the whole two weeks are spent inside your head, worrying, thinking, half wanting to get back and sort stuff out. So you're really finding it very difficult to unwind at any time and you find it really impossible to forget the everyday. So it's that overworking your mind and over-delivering yourself. It's that kind of thing that you find really difficult to switch off, even though you know that you absolutely need to do because you're totally exhausted. So it may be that, again, that's another symptom. The next thing is that when you have something that you have to do, it's a task. So it could be something up at the yard. It could be something that somebody's asked you to do. So you're doing a favor for somebody. It could be a project at work, whatever it is. Maybe it's your daily to-do list. You feel like you've got to get through that absolute breakneck speeds. And you may be a workaholic, you may not be, but you will definitely be someone who over delivers. And that's really tough. But that may also, again, be impacting on your inner calmness and giving you this high functioning anxiety. So it's not just that you want to be incredibly efficient. Again, it's stepped beyond that because it's almost like you need to finish early. There's this constant need to show that you you need to prove yourself. And speaking of proving yourself, that's another big flag for high-functioning anxiety. So that need to prove yourself is ongoing. There's never a time when you think, that's it, 
I'm where I want to be. I've done what I want to do. I'm going to coast. I'm going to plateau. I'm going to stay where I am. Or I'm just going to have, you know, a gentle kind of incline now in learning some new stuff. But there's that constant need to absolutely do well, prove that you're okay. And it can be thought of sometimes as a control that it might be that you have to feel that you're in control. So for instance, if a horse makes the tiniest spook, it can knock your thinking out a little bit because you see that as a lack of control. Even if you picked up the control instantly, even if the whole episode was over and done with within, you know, five seconds, four seconds, and you regain your composure, that will knock your confidence because for those few seconds out of maybe a whole half hour, 45 minute ride, that's what you'll think about. You'll think that you didn't have the control. So that control, that need to be in control can filter out into everyday life. So you need to control not just your riding, but you need to have control of how your horse is looked after. And very firmly, you need to know that certain things are being done. You might need also to be in control or feel like you control or have a significant part to play in yard politics or dramas. And there may be times when issues are avoided, such as someone who wants to ride and doesn't. In this case, it's too stressful to acknowledge what's going on inside your head. You've really, you've overstepped another boundary, if you like. So it's that absolute need to be in control or to not try at all. People who want to be in control, often people who live more inside their left brain, are very logical, very black and white. Everything's off or on. You may talk to yourself quite a lot inside your head. So you have to just, in some ways, relinquish that control, that need for absolute control. And I think that's an interesting topic all in itself and probably deserves a whole episode to itself. Another way that you can spot high-functioning anxiety is that people often compare themselves to others and they're comparing apples and pears, but also they're definitely judging themselves far too harshly. So whether it's fellow competitors that you're comparing yourself to or you're comparing your horse to somebody else's horse or you're comparing your riding to someone else's or the tack that somebody else has, maybe it's really expensive stuff. And you're also thinking about maybe you've got your own transport, maybe you haven't, but somebody else has, or maybe you've got your own transport, but it's a bit older It's not quite as good as somebody else's. Maybe you're always comparing your finances. Look what she can afford. How does she afford that? You know, I could could never afford that. And you're always putting yourself down. So it's not a celebration that somebody else is able to do something or have something. And it's almost not that you are necessarily jealous. It's simply that it fires right back on yourself as, well, you're not good enough. 
That's why you haven't got that super duper saddle. That's why you can't ride like that. You're just not good enough. And so that comparison is something, oh, it's, it's, it's awful for your mindset, isn't it? It's absolutely awful. And it's almost, again, like we have to accept where we are. And if we want to be more or do more or have more, then something has to change. What about this one? As a really high fear of failure, really deep set fear of failure, which you may or may not admit to when you're talking to others. So you think of failure as being completely, completely the worst case scenario. So even if you've had a a good lesson and if it had been videoed or if your instructor had been asked, it looks as though you've got 90% success, however you measure success. You know, you've been able to do things, you've been able to learn things, you've been able to maybe overcome something. But for that 10% of the time, it was difficult, you couldn't get it, you went wrong, and that's what you concentrate on. And so that gets blown out of proportion, and you analyze and you reanalyze and you look almost for the failure in the lesson. And if someone said, how did that lesson go? That's what you would tell them about the 10% where, you know, it wasn't that things didn't go to plan or things went wrong. It was simply that you were learning to do something on that day, at that time, at that venue, and it wasn't working perfectly. But you got yourself out of it and you worked out how to. And with your instructor, you were able to work out what needed to be done. But A person with high-functioning anxiety would not see it as a massive learning process. It would be failure. And it's almost like you, you feel like it's been stamped, you know, maybe across your forehead. Failure. And so if you can't perceive failure in any way as a way of learning, then now is the time to start accepting that there's no failure. It's all feedback. The last one that strikes me as something that people often talk about when their high functioning anxiety comes to a head is being a perfectionist. So it's not when you've got that healthy style of perfectionism where you want to get something right and you are striving, but you know it's going to take time. It's that unhealthy where nothing is good enough. No one is good enough. Your horse can never be good enough. You're never good enough. And it brings on a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of that feeling of not being good enough once again. So it leaves you in complete distress. And again, this may be something that you hide from others and you don't talk about, but it's there and it lingers. So how many of those symptoms, if you like, sound familiar to you? How many could you tick off? And is it that you have this lower level, relatively lower level of anxiety, but it's pervasive and it's got quite a lot of duration, it's long lasting and it's difficult for you to switch off? Have a little think about it. Have a little think where you can make adjustments after you've now got the awareness. How can you change your thinking? And if it's difficult to do on your own, keep listening to the podcast or seek some professional help. 
I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening. Take care and I'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.